Hiking, climbing, fishing, and more. There's so much you can do in the great outdoors. Autumn is just around the corner, and this is a perfect time to explore. Welcome to Traveling with AAA. I'm your host, Mary Herondine. Today, we are getting out into the open air and talking about adventure here in the U.S. Joining us is Ches Chesick, Executive Director of the Outdoor Writers Association of America. Ches is an award-winning adventure travel writer. His articles and photographs have appeared in the Los Angeles Times, Rachel Ray Every Day, Family Fun, and Good Housekeeping. He lives here in America's heartland with his wife, Sally, and two teenage daughters. He's an avid skier, biker, and backpacker, and shares his adventures on his website, chesconnects.com. Ches Chesik, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. It's like to be here. Thank you. Well, I grew up camping and have always felt a love for being outdoors. Ches, what sparked your love of and maybe your passion for the outdoors? Um, I, I grew up in sort of a rural area of Massachusetts, and you know, it wasn't until years later that I realized that my, my walk to school is essentially a hike. Um, <laughs> and you know, we'd cut through woods and, and go through these just different little areas. It it wound around around a swamp at one point, and you know, as kids do, often you'd stop on the way home and just you know check out the salamanders and things like that. So that was certainly an inspiration. And then uh, my dad also had a Volkswagen camper van, oh. and just about every weekend or most summers. We'd get in there and just drive. We 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 take these great national road trips to go visit relatives and things like that. But also we just go camp in the next town over, some weekends. And uh, it was just it was just all there, all around me. And so I think it was natural that I just kind of got into the outdoors. Yeah, Massachusetts and the whole East Coast is just beautiful, especially in the fall. We'll talk about that cool. in a minute. But you know, knowing that you're so active, does your family share your passion as well? <laughs> well, uh, I met my wife working at the American Hiking Society, so okay. uh, she was already there. <laughs> and naturally, we just kind of really, uh, I, I think and hope that we instilled a, a similar passion uh, with our girls just because that's so much of what we would do. That was, you know, we'd go on hikes on the weekends or uh, go car camping and just trying to get our girls out there everywhere we could. Uh, a lot of adventure travel trips and things like that. So uh, I'm confident they're well skilled in basic outdoor stuff. But uh, yeah, just hope that we've instilled in them a real lifelong passion for sure. I'm sure you have. I know for me growing up camping with my family, I'm one of eight kids and we camped Mm. a lot. And sometimes, like you said, just a few towns over. Um, I grew up in Northern California, which is also, you know, gets some of that variation of weather. Now I'm here in SoCal. So it's um, Mm. summer all the time or spring all the time. Uh, But yeah, definitely that's where I picked it up. Now, Tell us about some of your most memorable outdoor experiences. Can you share with us when, where, or what made it so impactful? How long is the show? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got I, some um, time. I'd love to hear. <laughs> I, I mean, I yeah, so many good ones. Uh, I think back to in my days at American Hiking Society, uh, my then girlfriend, now wife, Sally and I, we went on some volunteer vacations building trails in Sequoia National Forest or in Kentucky. Uh, I took a, a Knowles Educators course, a National Outdoor Leadership School course, uh, and we hiked around the base of Mount Rainier. Uh, you know, I think of powder days when I was living in Colorado or Idaho, uh, backpacking in Yellowstone. When I lived in D.C., we'd get out sea kayaking on the Chesapeake sometimes. Um, so many car camping trips with the girls. I mean, there's just, uh, yeah, uh, there's so many good ones. Uh, I wouldn't even know. I can't even think of, like, which of any would be better because I've probably kind of loved them all. 
Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you've got such variety. And just the way you describe it tells me that um, you probably had some memorable experiences with all of it. Um, now, I, I caught that you said volunteer vacations. Let's go back to that. Mm-hmm. I'd like yeah. to volunteer for a vacation. Can you share with us what you were doing? <laughs> It's a working vacation. It's a it's a program that uh, American Hiking Society has had for a very long time, and I'm sure they still do it. Um, but they gather together eight or ten volunteers to spend a week building trail um, in Sequoia National Forest. We were out in a wilderness area, and you know we would have these uh, tree falls across the uh, trail that we'd have to clear, and some of them, you know it's Sequoia National Forest, so some of these trees would be say about uh, four or five feet across. Wow. But it's a wilderness area. So you can't bring anything motorized into it. So we had handsaws and we'd cut these huge trees apart with a handsaw um, to clear the trail uh, versus in Kentucky, we would spend, we spent most of our time just like cutting steps into some really steep grade trails and uh, yeah, uh, amazing, rewarding, gorgeous places, but you are also working all day long. It's a very rewarding experience for sure. Wow. That's amazing. Now I know it's so important to preserve like, the beauty and natural um, of our natural uh, parks or national parks. Sorry, um, can you share with us a little bit about why that's so important and and why there was such a, a program put together for this? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's critical to preserve these places. Um, you know, not only you know if we lose it, it's really gone forever. And not only do we just risk the possibility of losing a great place to recreate uh, or to to maybe center ourselves, you know, there's a certain amount of kind of biomass that goes into making sure that all of us get to stay around. So if we keep losing these wild places, um, you know, it's really going to significantly impact how we, uh, how we survive, how we live on this planet, uh, and whether it's very comfortable, very Mm -hmm. challenging, or if we have that opportunity at all, frankly. Yeah. So whether we want the beauty or not, We've got to um, preserve it just for for ourselves. So for us. Mm-hmm. So you said um, growing up in Massachusetts, having the opportunity to kind of do a hike as you're on your way to school or hike to school. Um, fall is nearly here. Uh, what are your thoughts on outdoor vacations during this time of year? Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell Not me more. I've- well, I'm I'm a winter and fall guy. It's uh, definitely one of my favorite seasons. Probably winter and fall are my two favorite seasons. Growing up in New England, too, I mean, you just have that those stunning, stunning um, uh, change of, of colors with the foliage and everything. Uh, then you get up in northern New England, and in particular with Vermont, Maine, New Hampshire, it, it's, it's just gorgeous. So I love it, truly love it. But, you know, if you're elsewhere, I mean, you know, Colorado is amazing, too, when you get all those aspens and they just turn that kind of shocking yellow in those beautiful landscapes it's it's amazing and i just yeah i love the change of the seasons uh that little crisp feel to the air knowing that you know real change is coming there's um you know generally a few less people out there you know certainly if you don't have kids and you can get out in the fall while all the families are are occupied with school you can oftentimes you know take advantage of that shoulder season maybe get some better rates on accommodations and different travel opportunities so yeah i'm a huge fan as you can tell yeah, that makes sense. You know, kids are back at school, less people probably traveling and um, get the good rates, like you said. Also, I'm sure it's probably easier to get into some of the national parks um, with the reservation <laughs> system. So, yeah, that makes sense. And also, it is beautiful. I will say fall is uh, my favorite time of year as well. And um, having been to New England and seeing that foliage, it's just 
insane. It's beautiful. Like I said, I, I live here in Southern California, so there's not much um, change in terms of the weather or trees changing color. Uh, but I used to fly into Boston and then drive up to Maine. And so just driving through everything, uh, seeing all the beauty, it's it's gorgeous, really. So thank you for that. Um, what are some of your best recommendations maybe for autumn hikes if somebody doesn't get to New England? Um, I know you mentioned Colorado. Anything else? Uh, hikes, walks to see the fall colors? Well, these days I live in the Midwest, and uh, yeah, there's all sorts of great opportunities here. I think of uh, the Hocking Hills area of Ohio, uh, beautiful rolling landscape also with great leaves. Um, you know, I'm not far from West Virginia or Kentucky. I'm big fans of both. There's such stunning landscapes, another great place to get out. Michigan. Um, yeah, so I mean, whereas I see, at least in my opinion, New England really is that apex of probably the best foliage that you might be able to see in the U.S. at least. Uh, there's still plenty of other places we can still get a nice taste of that and still have a, a great autumnal experience. You know, I, it's funny. I was in Kentucky a few years back for work, and um, because I was so focused on work, I wasn't thinking about the landscape. But Kentucky is beautiful. Oh, beautiful yeah. trees. Mm -hmm. It really is. It really is nice. Now, I saw your recent website uh, post on Vegas vacationing. When I think Vegas, I'm always thinking slot machines or shows or great food. But would you share a little bit about that with our listeners? Uh, what was your take on a Vegas vacation? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's just a little bit of a mind shift um, mm -hmm. because a place like Vegas is such a destination. So you're going to have, you know, all sorts of direct flights. Uh, you can get some crazy, crazy good hotel deals, particularly, uh, you know, Sunday through Thursday and things like that. But you can utilize that and that access to make it basically a base camp. Um, and then there are all sorts of amazing places right outside Vegas, a quick car trip away, uh, both in Nevada and Arizona, where you can get out and just have a fantastic outdoor experience, be it um, uh, just hiking some of their incredible state parks, getting out to some of the national parks that are nearby, uh, BLM land, a lot of Bureau land, land management land out there that you can explore. So you can leverage that destination and all the access that it has and really not stay in it. Yeah. <laughs> or you can stay in it at night, you know, have uh, all the fantastic evening events and wonderful accommodations and great meals, but utilize it just to get out of town every day and to go do something completely different. Would you describe for us your most recent Vegas trip uh, in the outdoors? Yeah, we had a fantastic trip. Uh, what last December, a group of us went out there and you know, we flew into Vegas, of course, mm -hmm. got right out of town pretty quickly. Um, there was some um, uh, off-road off vehicle operators kind of just across the state line in Arizona. Mm -hmm. uh, we Adventures, uh, she's French Canadian, thus we, ah. O-U-I, if I'm spelling that correctly. Um, uh, they were fantastic, uh, you know, uh, just getting out and, and paddling. Uh, we did Las Vegas uh, uh, glass kayaks, did okay. some paddling with them. And so they've got these plastic see-through kayaks. So you can kind of look through the boat into the water below. Um, yeah, lots of great trekking and hiking and all wow. sorts of things. And then, again, just these crazy good restaurants and meals and things like that at night. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I'm thinking... Like I said, I'm always thinking Vegas is, is more that party town. And honestly, I really haven't been much since I've had kids. Would you recommend taking little ones on, on a trip like that? Are there some places that are safe to go maybe for some younger kids? 
I always recommend taking kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, obviously logistically, it's just that much more challenging, particularly mm-hmm. when they're much younger. Yeah. Um, you know, you just have to, you're effectively taking care of yourself, but also having to take care of a whole other person or two or three mm-hmm. and, you know, just manage their packing and their food and all those sorts of things. But boy, the payoff, as far as I'm concerned, is just fantastic. You know, when you can get a child out into the outdoors and they're making their first s'more or they're just exploring and seeing, you know, tadpoles and say like a, a creek and understanding that's those are baby frogs. Um, or just, you know, you hear them giggling in the tent while maybe you and your partner are letting the fire die down with a glass of wine in hand. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, the most amazing, amazing things happen. It, it is a challenge but so worth it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, my kids love to camp. Um, We've been doing a lot of our, uh, well, not RV camping. We have a a travel trailer. We've been doing a lot Mm. of camping with that, usually at uh, state beaches, things like that. So I'm thinking, oh, going into Vegas with the kids. And and like I said, normally I'm thinking Sin City. I'm not thinking of the beautiful outdoor areas uh, to explore at around. Now, you mentioned um, packing. I know you serve with the U.S. Army National Guard and spent some time deployed in Iraq. Did you pick up any great habits for packing and meal planning while you were deployed? No. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not I one of those that... roll your shirt packers and, and take um, it away with you? No, no. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I think you develop a kind of efficiencies and things like that. Mm-hmm. You develop a, a tolerance for a whole other level of carrying weight on your body. Mm-hmm. Um, you develop, uh, you know, like the little things that might bother you a lot more after you've been deployed, like blisters and chafing, like things like that. Like you can just really power through. Um, but it's just such a different environment. I, I mean, my basic combat load in Iraq, I was a machine gunner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was stepping off with about 80 pounds wow. just to walk around the city we were patrolling. So that wasn't any kind of overnight. I didn't have a full-on backpack with like meals for multiple days. That's just going out into town basically with body armor, the machine gun, the bullets, uh, you know, camelback, that was 80 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when you're backpacking and you think, boy, oh, this is really heavy. Uh, when you've been deployed, you can always look mm-hmm. back and be like, ah, this is good. This yeah. is fine. <laughs> this is okay. I'll carry yours, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do the kids carry their own, your daughters? As soon as we could. You know, we, <laughs> we, we instilled in them from a young age, mm-hmm. even, you know, just having like their own little backpack, even if there's really nothing in it. Right. Um, just so they get used to that that concept. And of course, naturally, they want to be like the adults. So they're going to put something in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually like a stuffed animal or something like that. But yeah, early on, we just got them a pack so that they could feel like, oh, I'm packing too. Uh, the danger there is that you have to be a little careful to check their pack. Yes. Um, our youngest had her book bag on a trip and she we came back home we started going to school and one day I picked it up and it must have weighed about I don't know 10 15 pounds and I looked mm. in there it was full of rocks oh yes <laughs> it was her rock collection and she just thought she would carry it around with her every day after that oh my gosh so I have a two little rock collectors they pick them up wherever mm. we go I find them in my washing machine usually <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one yeah need some replacement there I'm sure <laughs> now any favorite recipes um, that you use or meals that you've got to have while you're on an adventure you know, I, I don't really, because generally when you're out there and you're burning through some calories, everything tastes good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's this amazing effect that I've noticed where 
like I'll be out, say, backpacking or something and I'm eating, you know, uh, uh, some kind of energy bar, a builder right. bar, whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, this is delicious. This is the best thing ever. I'm going to eat these all the time. And then I get home and I'm like, oh, oh this oh. is it's a bar like this is kind of average. But yeah. <laughs> out there, you're so, you know, so hungry and craving those calories that just everything kind of steps it up a bit. Um, so I actually go for kind of like more sim- uh, simpler meals, kind of like just quick and easy stuff. I mean, frankly, you know, a little bit of peanut butter, uh, peanut butter and jelly on a tortilla uh, <laughs> is brilliant. And I'm completely content with that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, so I don't have any killer recipes or anything yet. And we generally actually stick to a, a pretty repetitive recipe list just so it's easier to buy those contents. We kind of know what we're getting. We know what we can prep beforehand to make it a little bit easier out there. Um, and also, I mean, there are so many amazing uh, resources online to find great backpacking recipes and things like that. Right. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds, you know, like it would be a good idea to come up with just a list, especially if, I mean, when you get there and you're burning so many calories, everything tastes good. It's probably easier for packing and all of that to just know this takes up this amount of space. Probably those high calorie, high fat, um, maybe, or, or carb loaded foods um, mm-hmm. sound good. I know I, I do like the protein bars and usually I find that I love them the most when I've gone all day without having lunch or something like that. Right. <laughs> or if I'm on a trip or, or burning calories in the gym, I'm like, these are amazing. Then when I offer it to someone else, they're like, what are you thinking? These aren't good. You know, I mentioned uh, Knowles earlier, the National Outdoor Leadership School. Uh, they, they've got this great model where you, you have your set breakfast. Mm-hmm. And then, as they like to say, and then lunch begins because it's all just about snacking through the day instead of stopping and having one big meal. It's okay. we're going to stop for 15 minutes, grab your bag of trail mix or maybe some like hard cheeses and a summer sausage, slice off a couple chunks of those. And, you know, now we're moving again. So you're just like your lunch is like in these increments throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, for dinner, you have a full on meal there. So I I generally follow that model, which I I really like, particularly when you're burning through a lot of calories. Yeah, especially if you're you're doing something active, you can't really stop and have, you know, a whole lunch. So you really have to keep fueled. Mm hmm. Um, do you have any good recommendations for gear or some other outdoor equipment? Any favorites that you use? Um, again, <laughs> many. Um, you know, I, I would advise people this, though. Uh, you know, don't fall into the big box store trap. Um, you know, there are many big box stores that sell some sort of outdoor gear. Um, it's generally going to be really cheap, and you don't know if you're buying the right thing for you. Uh, so really make the effort to get out there to a specialty outdoor retailer, somebody who is focused on selling outdoor equipment. Their, uh, out, their, their sales team will be that much more knowledgeable. They'll be able to talk mm-hmm. you through exactly what you need for what you're doing, find you things that fit your particular uh, body because we're all different, of course. Um, and so the, I think sometimes there are too many people who are trying to imagine, they're trying to shop by brand. What's the best well, the best for me may not be the best for you. That makes sense. Uh, a great and critical example is uh, footwear. Um, mm-hmm. So I've got like some uh, Loa uh, hiking shoes and boots that I really love. They fit my feet really, really well. Um, but the way each manufacturer makes the boot, they use a different model for each person, for each brand. Oh. So I might find a brand that fits my my foot perfectly. Whereas you might try that same brand, same size, maybe, you know, if you're also a guy um, and you might just have, you know, heel problems or something like that, just Mm -hmm. because that their model is just slightly off from what your foot is. Um, 
so yeah, so you really have to get out there, get to those retailers, try on boots, uh, try on the different gear as much as you can, um, and really take your time and be thorough with it. Don't just think, oh, I'm going to grab this and now I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. Check it out first. Find yeah. the experts and talk to them. Yeah, that sounds good, especially going to one of those stores um, that that they specialize in this equipment, that they mm-hmm. know this equipment. Uh, so like you said, outdoor shoes, I really fit well in a Sorel. I really like Sorel, but when I try other brands, it's just not as comfortable. It's not the same. It could be the same size, um, but it doesn't fit me right. So love Sorel. Yeah. My uh, snow boots are Sorel. Now, Great brand. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I really like them. Now, what precautions should people take before setting out on a hike or a biking trip? Is there any safety or comfort tips you would t- suggest? Um, it, it really depends on their experience level. If they're brand new to it, you know, maybe take it incrementally. Um, you know, if you're new to hiking, uh, start on some trails at a local park. Um, mm-hmm. Then maybe work your up to longer trails at a state park. You know, make sure that the footwear you have works for you. And if it's not, try something else. Uh, you know, from there, you might rent a cabin or maybe a platform tent at, at an adventure resort for a few nights. You know, just kind of incrementally going up from there. Uh, there are all sorts of different trail clubs and mountain clubs around the country who will teach you a lot of these skills and things like that. Um, So yeah, just kind of take it incrementally. Learn about things like uh, the 10 essentials, uh, which a lot of people don't know about. And that's just something that you should have on you whenever you go out into the backcountry. And it's just, uh, you know, some form of navigation, be it a map, compass, GPS, certainly some kind of headlamp or light with extra batteries, sun protection, some kind of first aid kit. Uh, a knife just in case, a fire starter. Um, they get into like carrying a light shelter, uh, extra food, water, and clothes, uh, which is just always a good idea. I know a lot of people aren't mm-hmm. ready to go out there and carry an extra tent with them if they're going for a day hike, but just another layer, a shell, uh, something like that, a couple extra bars, uh, and always additional water. You know, just just keeping those things in mind, just in case, is key. Yeah, I'd never heard of the 10 essentials, so I'm glad you yeah. you broke it down for us. <laughs> now, what about for kids? Any special tips or precautions when uh, taking kids along? Like we were saying earlier, it's just, you know, a whole other level of preparation just mm-hmm. to make sure that, um, you know, they're going to be comfortable. They're going to have an enjoyable experience. They're going to have the foods that they're going to want and snacks and things like that always you know sneak in a couple maybe surprise toys maybe it's something they haven't played with in a while or something you've kept in reserve something that when you bring it out their eyes are just gonna gonna light up um i will say this one one specific tip that we discovered is that for whatever reason we had kept our girls training potty and i think we meant to give it to a cousin who had younger kids and we just had never done it at some point we realized we could take it on camping trips and just leave it in the vestibule of our tent Mm -hmm. that way even though they were big enough that they didn't need a training potty rather than having to walk across say a campsite and go to the bathroom um, or go out into the woods uh, they could just pop into the vestibule and use the training potty and then the next morning we just just dispose of uh, the contents as necessary yeah that's smart Uh, with my little ones anything that breaks from their routine they're like no no totally against it and I imagine in the outdoors you know we, like I said we have the um, the travel trailer so it has a bathroom inside but uh, if not we'd probably need something like that now what about accessible travel in the outdoors are there some places where you can experience it if you're wheelchair bound or have other physical challenges yeah this is one area that we've 
probably as a, as a culture have been sort of negligent for far too long, but, um, you know, different destinations are getting much better about that in terms of building accessible trails. Um, you know, there are more and more manufacturers who are making uh, apparatus to get more people uh, who might have a disability further into the backcountry. Okay. Um, so we're getting better about it. Um, you know, one website that you might want to check out, I've got a friend of mine that I know from the travel industry, uh, and he's got a website called Curb Free with Corey Lee. Um, and and uh, he takes, he's he's in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and nothing slows him down. <laughs> he's curb got Free with Corey Lee. With, okay. Exactly. Yep. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he's amazing, and he has all sorts of suggestions, advice, tips, uh, places to go. Uh, so definitely a, a site to to check out um, if that's a consideration for you and your family. I love that, and also an inspiration, right? I'm just seeing you know that that nothing holds him back, and he's able to go and give those great tips. I think for anybody who's apprehensive, that would be a great place to to check out. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Now. Um, any tips for visiting state, city, or national parks? Yeah, my first thought is, uh, you know, you don't always have to go big. <laughs> um, you know, we have this incredible system of national parks. We've got Forest Service land, BLM land, all the state parks out there. I see too often people gravitate to, like, the biggest one or what they think is the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why we have so many of our visitors that go to a handful of national parks when there's all those other amazing parks out there. Um, you know, I think of uh, Mammoth Cave in Kentucky, mm-hmm. um, which is incredible and an, an entirely different experience. It's all cave-based, of course. Uh, one of the great things about that park is you can go any time of the year because once you get underground, it's always 57 degrees. It could be 110 up top or it could be blowing sleet sideways, but then you get down below and you're a comfortable 57. Um, so, yeah, so so keep an eye out for all those other places. Uh, there are numerous national parks that, that aren't overrun, uh, that aren't getting that kind of crazy visitation that Yosemite and uh, Yellowstone and all those big guys are. So, yeah, consider the entire breadth of your options. With, with state opportunities, city parks. A lot of mm-hmm. cities have just a fantastic trails or, or park system, uh, counties. Uh, again, the Forest Service, BLM, there's so much out there to explore. So don't always just think of like, what's the biggest or, or so-called best, because they're all amazing. Yeah, thank you. Now, based on your adventures, where or what should be on everyone's bucket list for U.S. travel? Oh, <laughs> you ask tough questions. <laughs> um, I say that because, again, I mean, we live in this fantastically uh, large and diverse country that has all this incredible terrain and topography. You know, there's there's the coast of Maine. Can contrast that to the Florida Keys, uh, Alaska, stunning and huge. Uh, the coast of California. I mean, there's so many great places. You you can't go wrong. You know, you've got really unique things. I think of Craters of the Moon National Monument in Idaho. Uh, it, the, the list just goes on and on and on. So, I mean, in terms of where to go, <laughs> there's there's just so many great options out there. Um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, take it to the next level, too. Not only do we have this big, amazing, diverse country, but we've got two other big, amazing, diverse countries that neighbor us. So, uh, you know, get up to the, the Canadian... Um, uh, the Maritimes, Nova Scotia, and mm-hmm. and some of those provinces out there, Alberta. I mean, stunning, stunning, stunning. It takes the U.S. Rocky Mountains, which are already incredible, and just maybe takes it up a notch, you know, even mm-hmm. further. So, yeah, I could ramble on about that for a long time. 
I can see your face. You're smiling. And, and really, you know, I stumped you with that one, uh, with that question on, on the bucket list. And I guess um, it sounds like you're saying if there was anything to check off the list, it would be just to experience and uh, get out there as much as you can and soak up what uh, the U.S. And, and our neighboring countries have to offer. It's, it's all there. Just go. <laughs> get out. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Now, Ches Chesik, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for joining us today and for being with us, sharing your experiences. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you to our listeners for being with us. If you're planning a trip, be sure to connect with a AAA travel advisor. Check out AAA.com forward slash travel or visit your local branch. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. I'm Mary Herondine. Thank you for traveling with AAA.